0: Hello and welcome to Discovering the Jewish Jesus. I'm your host Dustin Roberts and today our Bible teacher Rabbi Schneider will be shedding some light on the consistent nature of God. There's lots of people out there in the world who may read the Bible and think that God was harsh in the Old Testament and then changed to be loving and kind in the New Testament. Yet that's simply not true. There's only one God and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So why do some people seem to think there's a conflict between the Bible's two testaments? It's a fair question. And one Rabbi Schneider will address as he sheds some light on this age old dilemma. With our study on how Jesus completes Biblical Judaism, here is Rabbi Schneider.
1: The Hebrew Scriptures and the New Testament, the Old and New Testaments, are identical in what they reveal to us about God's nature. They first of all show us that above all else, God is holy, He's separate, utterly unique, different from everything else. He is eternity, He's uncreated life. There's nothing comparable to God. Both the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament speak of this holy God as being compassionate above all else. We looked at Exodus chapter 33 and 34, where Moses prayed to the Lord. He said, show me your glory, show me who you are. And God said, Moses, you can't see my face and live, but I want you to go over in the cleft of that rock. I want you to call upon my name, Yahweh. And he said, Moses, when you call upon me, I'm gonna descend and meet you. I'm going to make all my goodness. Notice the Lord said, I'm going to make all my goodness. His goodness is his glory. Remember, the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to show you my glory, Moses. I'm going to make all my goodness pass before you. And I just think it's really neat to understand that God's glory is a revelation of his goodness. So Moses does what the Lord says. He goes in the cleft of the rock, He calls upon the name once again of the Lord. And as he does, Yahweh descends, meets him there, and begins to proclaim his name over Moses, and then reveals into Moses who he is. So Moses, when he receives this revelation, he calls upon God, show me your glory in Exodus 33. And then God says, okay, I'm going to show you my glory. Go in the cleft of the rock. And that happens in Exodus 34. God comes to him and meets him there while he calls upon the name of the Lord. Now, the Lord comes to him and he begins to reveal to Moses his glory and his goodness. And here's what we read. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh God. Remember, Yahweh is God's memorial name forever but it's translated in the Hebrew Scriptures as the Lord, and Jewish people will simply say Adonai because they feel it's too holy to even speak. The Lord comes, the Lord God, the Lord God, and then God reveals himself. Who am I? The first thing God says is compassionate and gracious. Now, why am I making such a big deal out of this? Because people believe that in the New Testament, we find a God of grace revealed, but in the Old Testament, we don't see a God of grace revealed, we find a harsh lawgiver revealed. We find the moral lawgiver revealed that mercilessly punished people for their sin. But the reality church is that both the old and New Testaments reveal that God is first of all holy, and that the attribute that first proceeds from His holiness is His grace and compassion. You see. The Old and New Testaments show us that God is the same. He's not one God in the Old Testament and then a different God in the New Testament. He doesn't switch from being a harsh lawgiver in the Old Testament with a frown on His face, this stern God, and then suddenly puts on a happy hat in the New Testament. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's continue reading this most profound revelation of who God is in the entire Hebrew Bible in Exodus 34, 6, and 7. As God reveals himself to Moses, the Lord, the Lord God, he's speaking into Moses. Moses is receiving revelation. He's full of revelation. Light. He understands the depth of what the word means by the Spirit. The Hebrew people refer to Moses as the prophet that God spoke to face to face. In other words, the Lord said to Moses, when I speak to a prophet, the Lord said, I speak to the prophet in a vision or a dream, but not so with Moses, the Lord said. With him I speak as a man speaketh to his friend face to face. So in Judaism, Moses was referred to as the face-to-face prophet. Moses calls upon the Lord, the Lord comes. The Lord, Yahweh God, compassionate and gracious Slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth. We see same God revealed in the New Testament. Remember, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. There's no difference. Continuing in Exodus 34, verse 7, God says to Moses, I'm the one who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity transgression and sin. Doesn't this sound like the God we see revealed in the New Testament? The God that forgives. Jesus said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more to a woman that was caught in adultery. As Yeshua hung on the cross, what did he say? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So everything we've read so far in regards to who God is in this most profound revelation in the Hebrew Bible of who God is, is totally consistent, church with who we see God revealed as in the B'rich the New Testament. Let's continue on. Who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. Now listen to this. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty, go unpunished, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. Moses made haste to bow low in worship. So as stated, the first part of these two verses really easy for Christians to digest that the Lord of Israel is compassionate and gracious, full of loving kindness, forgiving and equity, transgression and sin. But yet when we come to the last portion here, we read something that causes some to stumble. And we read there once again, yet he will by no means, verse 7, leave the guilty, go unpunished, visiting the iniquity of fathers again on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. Is that part consistent with the New Testament? Beloved one, yes it is. Jesus came and he forgives sin, but he also said this, speaking to the leaders of his day, he said, unless you believe that I am he, meaning the Messiah and the Savior of the world, you will die in your sins. Once again, Jesus is saying, I've come to forgive, but if you don't repent, you're gonna die in your sin? And Jesus said that the penalty for that was eternal separation from God in the outer darkness, where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth, that those that would not repent and enter into the forgiveness that Yahweh, that God provided, would be judged for their sin and that the wrath of God would fall upon them. So what the Lord is saying here in the Torah is He's full of compassion and grace. He forgives inequity, transgression, and sin. But for people that won't repent, the same thing that Jesus said, they'll die in their sin and they'll be judged accordingly. The Old and New Testaments, beloved, are completely consistent in what they teach us about God's nature. Some may be wondering about the last part of this verse, that the Lord visits the iniquity of the fathers and the children to the third and fourth generation. This is just a spiritual trajectory. In other words, If I am living as a father, as an alcoholic or a woman abuser or whatever it is, the spirits that are on me are going to be passed on to my children, and then my children that potentially repeat the pattern, that same thing gets passed on to the grandchildren. And so this is just the dynamic of spiritual forces in action. Anybody that will can repent and will be forgiven, but when people do not repent, Judgment comes upon them and oftentimes passes down the family tree through the third and fourth generations. So I'm just trying to help everyone that's listening today with an open heart understand that you can see that the Bible is a whole. It's not a God that's one way in the Old Testament, then becomes a different God in the New Testament. He's always the same.
0: You're listening to Discovering the Jewish Jesus and Rabbi will be right back. If you're looking to better equip yourself in your study, pursuit, and growth in Jesus the Messiah, be sure to go online and explore our treasury of Messianic content. You'll find Messianic teaching tools and videos, information about God's seven annual feasts, the Hebrew names, titles of God, and so much more. This content is ready and available for you today online at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. To become a blessing in someone's life today, get in touch to partner with us. Our mission is to prepare the world for Jesus' return. And your financial gift is channeled directly toward this worthy cause. Take your first step today by calling 800-777-7835. That's 800-777-7835. Or visit us at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. Your contribution will equip others for Messiah's return. And now here is Rabbi Schneider with the rest of today's message.
1: In addition to the confusion, because people read the Old Testament, they see how God judged sin and they get confused by it all. They don't see the big picture. They get lost in the forest amidst all the trees. Additionally, compounding the misunderstanding of who God is and the consistency of His nature between the Old and New Testaments, compounding the confusion is the anti-Semitic theology that has been in the church for almost 2,000 years. Now, stay with me. I'm going to take you to a really excellent example of what I'm sharing I'm going to the King James Version now of the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. King James Version written in the 1600s. Now, I'm just making a point to help you understand the anti Semitic mindset that was in the church and how, because of anti Semitism, the church began to see the Old Testament as something old, something that we don't want anymore, something that we don't need anymore, something that's relegated to the past. Hear what the King James Version says when they translated from the earliest manuscripts, John 1:16 and 17. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Listen again. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace. For grace. How many graces there? Two graces. Of his fullness we've all received and grace, first grace, for grace. They had one grace, now was given a second grace. Listen again, I want you to catch it. Of his fullness we've all received and grace for grace. One grace on top of another grace. You had grace, now I'm giving you for that grace, another grace. Listen to the next verse. For the law was given by Moses, But, catch that word, but, for the law was given by Moses, but is translated in the King James, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now, if you have a King James Version that you're using right now, you'll notice that the word, but, is there, but it's in italics. Why is the word, but, in italics? The reason is, beloved ones, is that the translators, are showing that we don't have this word, but in the manuscripts that we're translating from, the earliest manuscripts available, we're adding it. And to show you that we're adding this word, they thought to help us understand it, they needed to add it. Because we're adding this word, we need to italicize it. But I want you to think with me for a second. They added the word, but, what does the word, but, mean? How is the word but used in conversation? How is the word but used in a sentence? The word but is used to set up a contrast. It's used to set up an opposition. In other words, if you're employed somewhere and your boss calls you into the office and the door closes and the boss says to you, you did a really good job on that assignment, but, as soon as he uses the word but, you know he's about to tell you something totally different. He's not going to compliment you again. He's setting up a contrast. If somebody says to you, I really like the dress that you're wearing, but they're about to tell you another part of your clothes that doesn't look too good, but sets up two opposites. So with that in mind, let's read the verse again. Of his fullness we've all received and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Notice what's happening here. The translators are setting up opposites between the law that was given by Moses and the grace and truth that came through Jesus, as if the law that was given by Moses is opposite or different than the grace that was revealed from Jesus. Permit me to read it one last time. I really want you to get the point. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus. As if grace and truth were not in the Hebrew Bible. As if the Old Testament was all about law, but grace and real truth came in the New Testament. The point is, the translators completely mixed it up. When we go back to verse 16, notice there was already a grace of His fullness have all we received, and grace, for grace, two graces. In other words, the law itself was an expression of God's grace. It was already grace. But then the greater grace came when Jesus was sent. Hebrews says this, in times past, the Lord spoke to us through the prophets and the fathers. He spoke to the fathers through the prophets in many portions, and in many ways, but in these last days, he spoken to us through His Son, through whom He created the world, and it was the exact representation of His likeness. In other words, there was truth that came in the Hebrew Bible, There was grace that came in the Hebrew Bible, but the fullness wasn't revealed until Yeshua came. Not opposites, just a progressive revelation. The revelation of God's grace kept on getting fuller and wider and deeper as time unfolded and culminated, beloved ones, with the person of Yeshua. I wanna take you to the book of Deuteronomy and the Torah. I'm going here to chapter number four, verse seven and eight, just to illustrate for you, beloved ones, that the law itself, let me say it again, that the law itself is an extension of God's grace. For what great a nation, the Lord is saying to Israel, is there that has a God so near to it as is the Lord our God whenever we call on him? Or what great nation is there that has statutes and judgments as righteous as this whole law which I am setting before you today? Why was the law great? We have to understand that Israel lived in a barbaric world. There was no justice. There was no law. There was no moral code, so to speak, in the nations of the world. If somebody stole a man's goat... That man may retaliate by going and killing the man that stole his goat, as well as his wife and his children, and then burning the house down. So God was calling his people up and out of a barbaric world to live at a just standard, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now, Jesus came and he said, you have heard it said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, when Jesus said that, he wasn't nullifying the law. He was just calling God's people up to an even higher standard. He was saying, listen, if someone does you wrong, turn the other cheek, bless your enemies. He was bringing the law to its fullest extent. He was calling up Israel to an even higher level. You see, beloved, the God of Israel has made Himself more and more fully known through time. It culminated in the revelation of His Son, who is still being revealed to you and I personally every single day. I hope that this series is helping you understand how the Old and New Testaments, the Tanakh and the B'rih HaDashah, fit together like a hand in a glove. Abba wants us to understand truth and he wants it to be simple. I hope, beloved, that I'm making it more simple for you.
0: We're learning about how Jesus completes Biblical Judaism right here on Discovering the Jewish Jesus. And as Rabbi mentioned today, it's not that we have one God in the Old Testament and another in the New Testament. There's only one God and he is the same yesterday, today, And tomorrow, the Old and New Testaments are consistent in what they teach about His nature. And if you'd like to go further in your study of this topic, then be sure to download Rabbi's teaching notes for this series. We made them available on our website, so you can either follow along with us as we go through the series, or you can go deeper on your own. You'll find these study guides online at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. And while you're on our website, make sure to learn how you can give a gift of support to this ministry. We're winding down another year and your prayers and your financial contributions, they really make a difference. To share a little bit more about that right now, here is Rabbi Schneider once again.
1: I hope you're being blessed through this series. I always make it a priority, beloved ones, to teach the truth of the Word of God. And I know that on the earth today, sometimes it's hard to find teaching that you feel is authentic and that feeds you. I want to simply say this. It costs me a lot of money to broadcast. You see, Christian programmers like myself, we have to pay for our own airtime. And the only way that I can broadcast is when those that are receiving from this ministry respond by financially sowing into it. So I want to simply say, beloved one, if you believe in me, if this ministry is feeding you, Would you make a special offering to the Lord through discovering the Jewish Jesus? The Bible teaches that we should financially support those that are feeding us. Paul said, such men are worthy of support. If you're being blessed by this ministry, if you believe in what we're doing, if you want other people to be blessed by it, simply, beloved, respond to the Holy Spirit and make an offering to the Lord today through discovering the Jewish Jesus. I wanna thank you in advance for your support. God bless you and Shalom.
0: You can give a gift of any amount to support this ministry. Just visit us online at discoveringthejewishjesus.com or text your donation to us by typing the keyword rabbi to the number 45777. That's R-A-B-B-I to the number 45777. Your financial gifts, they help us continue to be a blessing to those who need to hear the life-changing message of the gospel, not only right here in your local listening area, but into places like Israel where we broadcast in over 97% of all the homes with television. And that is amazing news, especially during these trying times. To give a donation today, call us at 800-777-7835. And you know, it's only when we see the connectedness of the Old and the New Testaments that we can find true peace and clarity because God's nature is always the same. He is holy, compassionate, and he abounds in grace. And it's through his son Jesus, as we say in Hebrew, Yeshua Hamashiach, that we see God made manifest in flesh. And if you'd like to learn more about the book that Rabbi mentioned earlier, The Lion of Judah, I'm pleased to tell you that it's available right now online at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. But first, let's wrap up today's message with a blessing. Here is Rabbi Schneider. Blessings trump curses, and in the book of Numbers, chapter 6, we find the ironic blessing
1: that God commanded Moses' brother Aaron, the high priest, to speak over the children of Israel. There's power in blessing, beloved ones. So take part in receiving Father's blessing upon your life today. Yavah <speaking in Hebrew> Yahweh, Yah Yahweh Panavelle Khan Wekhuna Khan Isaiahweh Panavelle Khan Veasem le
0: I'm your host, Dustin Roberts, and Discovering the Jewish Jesus is a production of Shalom Ministries. Come back tomorrow when Rabbi Schneider presents a special Christmas message on the fulfillment of Messianic prophecy. That's Friday on Discovering the Jewish Jesus.